0: Hi, and welcome to the Sheep Show podcast dedicated to all things ovine. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. This is your podcast to learn more, know more, and achieve more when it comes to shepherding. Come with me as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. So it's that time of the year here at Holston Valley Farm. We're getting ready for lambing. And I thought it'd be good for us to explore some lambing elements together. Sheep are pregnant for, well... Somewhere between 144 days, 152 days. So the consensus is an average of about 147 days. Some people round it up to 150. So about five months is the length of the gestation period. Now they're funny creatures, these sheep. They don't look pregnant at all. (laughs) And then one day you go out and you think, oh, that sheep's getting a bit fat. The majority of the growth of the lamb is actually in the last six weeks of the pregnancy so and that's when that's where where we're at at the moment and that's when the feed increases quite a lot obviously the lambs are taking up a huge space inside the ewe so the demand on the ewe's body and their rumen the is is smaller so we have to help them out with feed and, and supplement them with feed or at least give them higher protein feed as well so that's for the stage that i'm i'm at right now at the moment so it's quite exciting you're waiting for the the pitter patter of tiny little lambs feet. And I thought maybe it'd be good to talk about that. Talk about exactly what we look for in those signs of, of lambing and what, what to expect when you're expecting a lamb. So when once we've, we're through that gestation period, we, we, we see particularly some of the, the, early signs would be when the the ewes start to lie down a lot, sit down a lot, and you actually start to see them looking quite broad or looking quite wide, particularly when they lie or sit, you can really notice it in them. At about sort of 10 days beforehand, you can start to see them what we call bagging up. This is their udder filling up with, with milk. Now, again, there's no exact science here. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. <laughs> sometimes you see the signs and sometimes there's nothing. Particularly when it comes to young or first time use, that's when all the rules are broken. You often just have no idea and then one day she's got a lamb. So it's good, and I might, you might have remembered in the in the shops episode, we talked about the lamb planner, and that's something I I use. I'm constantly looking at my lamb planner and, and seeing where I'm at and what I need to do. And just last weekend, did all my vaccinations and um, pre checks with my with my ewe, so that's all done and makes me feel very good. And as I said, I've started to increase their their the quality of their feed a little bit as well to help manage that, uh, the final stages of pregnancy, which is the most vulnerable time as well. So in those last 10 days, yeah, you start to see that udder swell up and udder fill up. And then as they get closer and closer, you can start to see some behavioral issues. Maybe the, the you again, even lies down more and more, spends more time lying down The You obviously see that roundedness in their, in their body. So you're starting to see that. And then as they get even closer, you'll start to see redness in two spots, two main spots. So again, depending on the sheep, depending on the age, you might see some redness around the udder itself and also redness around the vulva. And there's sort of two stages there, the redness and then where the vulva starts to sort of get so sort of fleshy and And those are things to look for. And typically, when the vulva starts to get fleshy, well, you know, as some someone said to me, "You just get your flask of tea <laughs> and sit and wait if you're that sort of a farmer. Those are some things to look for. When it gets really close, then you start to see the you behaving even more erratically. So they tend to pour the ground. They they tend, and this is a real classic sign, they tend to go off on their own, which of course is not very flock-like behavior, but they want a bit of privacy when they're lambing. So you'll find that they'll find a little corner or try and find a little spot where they can perhaps be on their own. and And I always... Even even when it's not lambing, I'm always concerned when I see a ewe off on her own. I think that's you know there's, there's bound to be one or two close to her, or else there's something worth investigating and and checking out. And then all things being well, after you see those signs, you should start to see a a, a balloon appear from the vulva, and that's where you effectively have the water bag of the of the sheep. The water has actually come out. And you start to see that you're in the, you're in the, the sort of the first stages of labor. You might see some evidence of contractions, the sheep contracting as well. This is in sheep, this is sort of standing up, sitting down, being uncomfortable. Sometimes she'll even turn around and sort of look towards her rear as if to say, what's going on? There's something weird happening towards my rear end. And again, these signs are all just indicators and different sheep will display different things. But by and large, these are things that you can start to sort of look for, start to be aware of. Sometimes you'll also see, and this is one of my father's tips, the, the belly drop in the, in the sheep as well. So sometimes some people refer to this as, you know, the the sway back where the back starts to sway, but the belly starts to drop. And this is the lamb just getting in position so that it could sort of make its way out, uh, out of the, um, of the birthing canal and, and out into the world. So little things like that really help when we're, um, when we're thinking about, uh, thinking about lambing. It might be good here just to also talk about, well, what should you do to prepare? So what sort of kits should you get? Well, in uh, Victoria in particular, one of the things you want to get is your identification tags ready. So this year, 2020, it's a purple colored um, national livestock identification scheme tag. So they're actually quite cute, nice little cute purple colors. I've got mine already. And you also want to get yourself a a few other little things. And we'll talk about fostering. But one of the other things I always like to have on hand is foster oil. And we'll talk about what we use that for as well. Other things might be some colostrum, some baby bottles, some towels. Again, it really depends on your approach to lambing. If you're going to be around and intensive. Some people don't use anything. They just let the sheep get on with it. And to be honest, sometimes that's just the best way. Just let nature do what nature needs to do. The less interference by and large the better. And we will look at we'll look at lambing challenges and difficulties in another podcast, but that of course is a whole other area to look at. Particularly here we're just talking about everything goes well, what you should expect and what uh, what to be prepared for. A few other things might be to to think about with your lambs, just having somewhere to record. Things and particularly if you want to start to improve your flock, think about recording the performance of the ewe. How quick was she to mother? Did she need any assistance when you're lambing? Was she was she quick, I suppose, to to give birth? Or were there any any extra things you need to be aware of? Was were there any sort of circumstances you need to be aware of? And even then, the size of the lambs. So thinking about having something on hand to weigh your lambs. This year I've got a little pet carry bag that I picked up and uh, a little luggage scale, luggage weigh scale. So that's what I'm going to use to record the weight of my lambs. I've tried shopping bags in the past and things like that, but I hope my little pet carry bag will will be quite useful for me and, and help me with uh, weighing my lambs and, of course, recording that uh, as well. Things to think about then later on would be having your elastrator rings, and um you would have heard Robin talk about the device, the numbnuts device. So that would be great for marking, and we'll look at marking in a in another podcast as well. So back to lambing then. If uh, you've had those water waters break and you start to then expect something to emerge, and all things being equal what you should see is effectively a lamb coming out head first. So you should see two feet and a nose. Now, that's exactly what you want to see. Two feet and a nose coming out. And from that, you can start to think everything looks fine. Things to think about if, and we'll look at it again, we'll look at lambing difficulties. But if, if you, you haven't, nothing emerges or nothing happens after, 40 minutes to an hour, then it's time to sort of get involved and perhaps intervene. But by and large, two feet in the nose, really good sign. And you'll be surprised how quickly it all happens from there. You will see the you, again, that erratic behavior. She'll be standing up, lying down. Um, She'll be grunting and moaning. And that's another sign to look for, the sounds that she might make can also indicate to you that she's in she's contracting or in contractions or in labor so those sorts of things to to look for what you're wanting to see and as I said by and large nature is wonderful and they know what they're they're doing most of the time so they'll be able to um, to get on with it depending again on the you you might start to see her instantly. Um, lick that first you or first lamb and start to sort of bond with that first lamb, or she might be a little bit sort of distracted because, well, she's trying to give birth to another lamb. So you might find that there's one, and then in very quick succession she might have a second. What I find is maidens, maiden first-time ewes, have singles by and large, and then our more mature ewes have twins and and that's really what you want sheep have two teeth tooth teeth are are perfect for feeding two lambs and that's ideal and that's really good from a a production point of view in terms of how you might want to build your build your flock in terms of your lamb then what you're expecting to see from a healthy baby boy or baby girl is that they will start to bleat they'll start to get on their feet and it's all happens very quickly and they, the mum, of course, the you is licking them, bonding with them. And then they'll start to look for the teat and look for a drink. It's obviously they've had a, a bit of a thirsty time coming through. And the quicker they can drink and the quicker that you is able to give them their first milk, which is called colostrum, the, the better things will be. So that's again what you want. And you'd be surprised how quickly you can give birth and start to feed a lamb. And it's, uh, it'll all happen so so incredibly quickly. A few little tricks that I've learned about the lambs is when their tails are wagging, it's a pretty good sign that they're getting a drink. Or when if they're lying down after a couple of days and you see them stand up and stretch Again, that tells you that this lamb is doing well. This lamb is getting a feed and they're waking up, having a stretch, and then, of course, looking for another feed. So a few little uh, tips like that can can really help you be confident. It can be a good idea to check the ewe's milk if you can get close enough to her just to make sure. Sometimes there's a waxy coating on her teat. And you might want to just check that and just see if the milk is coming through in the otter. But by and large, things happen so quickly, the lamb will tell you what's going on before the, the, you might even have a chance to, to intervene. You might even have a chance to, to sort of get involved. Last year, we had some really good success fostering lambs. We actually had some ewes have singles not ideal but sometimes it's an opportunity if they have singles to see well if i have someone else that's an orphan or maybe a triplet then i can foster that lamb onto a ewe that only has a single or perhaps even a ewe that's lost her lambs for whatever reason we had some fox attacks last year and things like that and and you know those things happen those things um really do do occur and you might have you might remember crystal's podcast with the lions and tigers and bears around some things that we can do to help reduce the the predator attack and things like that particularly coming up to lambing in fact gary just told me today that we we nabbed a fox um, over the last couple of days with our integrated pest management that was pretty good sign that we've already started to reduce that fox population around and of course it's just a constant battle that we're, we're trying to, to get on top of. But fostering is something I think that we in, in shepherding really need to start to feel confident about and start to embrace as a really good management strategy. I mentioned the fostering oil in my kit. So this is a, 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 a sort of a heavily scented oil. It actually generally smells quite nice. And it's used to mask the smell of the lamb. And what you do is you you dab a little bit of this oil on the the lamb's bottom, particularly because that's where the ewe will be smelling to see if it's her lamb. And then you dab some of the oil on the ewe's nose, which means the ewe is smelling the same as what the lamb's bottom is smelling like. And now, if you don't have the fostering oil, the sort of official fostering oil, you can use all sorts of things. People use cinnamon, vanilla essence. These are sort of reasonably benign. I've heard people using Vicks, you know, that Vicks vapor rub, probably a bit sharp for my liking, but uh, definitely the vanilla can work really, really well. Again, quite strong. And I would be using a, a natural... Vanilla or um, organic vanilla essence rather than something artificial if you're going to use that. But there's plenty of fostering oils out there that you can get your hands on. I typically buy mine online and, uh, and that really does the trick. And um, it's if you can do it literally within a couple of hours after that lamb is born or that ewe has lost a lamb, particularly the ewe was more likely to accept that new lamb if she is just after giving birth. Now, of course, that's not ideal. So, worst case scenario, tie the ewe up, put a halter on her, tie the ewe up, and then just aid the lamb to find the teat. And if you have to, apply a bit of force for the ewe, just holding that ewe, then that can really help her to start to bond. You'll be amazed how quickly she will take those lambs once you've managed the the initial sort of scent issue and then she's gotten used to those lambs. The trick here is that the lamb is going to drink that ewe's milk and, of course, that milk will be digested by the lamb and come out the other end in the lamb's feces, this is when the lamb starts to smell like the ewe. So if you can imagine, that's how it actually works, how those scent actually works. So the more milk you can get that lamb to drink, the quicker that lamb is going to smell like that ewe, and the quicker that ewe will bond and accept that lamb. Now, of course, just like everything else, sheep can behave in weird and wonderful ways. So you need to know when it's working and when you need to perhaps, you know, g- give it up and not put that poor lamb and, and you through any more misery. So watching uh, watching the behavior and monitoring the behavior can be really good. And then you can decide, Now it's not working. It's just causing too much stress on everyone, including probably you. And it's time perhaps to, to try a different tact Uh, The other thing I've really noticed from last year, learning from last year was if a lamb takes a bottle, it's hungry. So feed it a bottle and continue. I use a hybrid method as much as I can, which is keeping the lambs, if I can, out with the flock and then supplementary feeding with a bottle if I need to. And again, you, you sort of learn by hindsight, I did that last year, didn't continue to feed the lamb. And of course the lamb wasn't getting any any milk from anyone. I think it was just one of these orphan lambs who didn't know who it belonged to. Watching the behavior of that lamb and then continuing to supplement with a bottle if you if you need to. The other, On the other side of it is, if you think you have a lamb that's perhaps doesn't have a mom or it's kind of lost or, or orphaned, and it doesn't want to take a bottle, well, you know what? It's telling you something. It's probably getting a feed from somewhere, and it's probably fine. So it's just you missing the mother rather than the lamb missing the mother. So amazing when you start to really observe this behavior and really think about it, you can really start to sort of farm smart And not make it too hard on yourself. I know the idea of bottle-fed lambs is very romantic. But in reality, it's very expensive. And in reality, it actually makes for a lamb that struggles to belong to the flock. Because it is a human flock that it belongs to. So the challenge really with bottle-fed lambs from my point of view is not when you're feeding them in the house... The challenge is when that lamb is weaned and goes out in the flock and then becomes a bit of a nuisance because it doesn't quite mob up, it doesn't move, it perhaps is too quiet, particularly you never want to keep a bottle-fed ram, entire ram lamb way too quiet. So that's definitely a one to put a, a ring on and castrate that particular animal. One of the other things we learned in our first year of lambing was that there's, there's things specific things that will kill a lamb. When the, the, the lamb is not just cold, but cold and wet and cold, wet and hungry. So thinking of a lamb that's born, it's got very little fat cover, and fat is insulation. And typically in Australia, with our well seasonal breeding use like what we have, we are lambing in winter. So we'll probably start lambing in in mid July and go through to to mid August, all being well. So we're lambing in a time, particularly in Gippsland, where it's cold, and it can be very wet. So again, no insulation, cold and wet. This is where you're going to have lambs possibly die from exposure or hypothermia. Now, it's times like this that you want to try, if you can, to give your lambs shelter. Now, that could be just a couple of bales of hay where they can get in, again, out of the cold. So they might be wet, but as long as they're not cold, they're going to be okay. It's that sort of triple whammy, if you like, cold, wet, and thin thin layers of insulation. Those are the things that really make for quite a challenging situation and, and, uh, and dangerous situation, I suppose, for for lambing. Of course, the other thing would be predators as well, particularly for us, it's foxes, but that could be... Eagles, wild dogs, depending on the environment that you're in, and of course, if you're in uh, if you're overseas, it could be as Crystal mentioned, things like coyotes and bears and things like that. So we all need to think about what we're doing out out from it, out from the lambing time to to produce, manage and mitigate the the risk of predators that's the best we can actually do to help with our to help with our sheep things to think about would be typical lamb behavior as well after lambing so what you'll find is that your lambs they tend to sort of curl up and sleep a lot particularly in the first couple of, of of days after they're born that's normal behavior for them it's good idea just to keep an eye on them but that's pretty normal behavior They tend to stick quite close to their mum and then all of a sudden you'll find sort of a week goes on, two weeks go on and then you get this sort of crazy witching hour. Round dusk each day all the lambs will get together and run amok. And they'll just run up and down, run around paddocks, try and jump on hills or mounds or whatever they can do. And it's a crazy, funny, funny time. And it's almost as if they're expending all the last of their energy they have for the day because they know that mum's going to make them sit down and sleep for the rest of the night. But the ewes seem to tolerate this behavior and seem to sort of trust the lambs just running around doing their thing. And it really is, uh, it really is quite funny. Over our time lambing, I don't know what it is, but we have we seem to have had one of everything. We had a lamb born without an anus, so you know effectively was was had a birth defect, and of course didn't notice this because it wasn't something I check where the lamb is born, but didn't notice it until the ewe rejected it after about sort of two or three days, and then you could see. I picked up the lamb, you could see the lamb was sort of swollen and we we tried to sort of do something there's nothing we could do so I had to euthanize the lamb. Last year we had a lamb born with a tumor on its back right on its spinal column, the spine back of the spine and it was fine. It sort of came out of the came out of the the womb with a, a sort of a mark on its back, just a bit of missing wool and looked a bit strange didn't think any, anything of it and then after about a week it's the, the, obviously the growth of the lamb and the growth of the tumor meant that the lamb lost power in its legs. So again, had to be, had to be euthanized. um, as a result, I was actually able to take that lamb pelt, which is the the sort of skin off that lamb and put it on another one and foster another lamb on that ewe. Because one of the challenges is you have a ewe has been producing milk for a week and then you expect it to go dry after a week because it's not feeding a lamb, big mistake. That's when you're likely to have a problem with your ewe, with mastitis or other issues. So the best thing is if you can foster a lamb onto that ewe, you are going to be doing the best. Now, it's not going to be easy because remember that ewe has lost that lamb, so, but I take the skin off, wrap the skin around and spend some time with that you and try and again, do that fostering. And again, I've had some great success last year. I think we fostered about six slams onto different ewe's last year with one thing and another. And it was just a really, it's a, it's a bit stressful initially, but you know, it's worth it in the end if you can just keep it going and keep that motivation up better for the for the ewe to at least be a productive unit and then you can decide what you want to do with that ewe after weaning but having that ewe actually feed a lamb is is what you want and it's the particularly when they're producing so much milk and and that's one thing to think about the ewes milk the most milk it's going to produce is in after so that lamb is sort of a week old to sort of four or five weeks old. That's the maximum production time for that particular ewe. After that, the milk starts to drop off. And that, of course, helps with the lamb starting to eat grass and another feed that's available. And then the ewe preparing for weaning as well. And that's what you kind of want. You want that normal situation. Just going back to the ewe's udder, think about Size of the, odder. the size of the udder. The size of the udder is probably an indication of how many lambs she has. So, smaller little sort of teacup udders, you're going to see that with maiden ewe in a single lamb. Yeah. As long as her bag drops when the lamb is ready to drink, even though she might not have dropped that bag before she's actually lambed, as long as the milk drops, then she'll be able to. To feed that particular lamb. But big otters often indication, two things to watch out for here: how many lambs they're going to have, and then watching for mastitis and other issues as well. And with an odder as well, with your sheep, things to think about would be the shape. So making sure that otters, as I like to sort of have a joke with, with Jason, we want to have cleavage. <laughs> so we want to have a good shaped udder. And we want that otter to have a bit of a, a bit of separation between the left and the right otter rather than one big saggy, one big otter, if that makes sense. That can be pendulous or pendulous otter, which tends to have a problem with dirt and infection getting into the teeth, which can result in a, in a form of mastitis as well. So those are things to, to watch out for with that other shape and other health. And the cleaner the environment that your ewes are in, the healthier their udders are going to be. So that really means the best, most healthiest environment for those sheep is outside. Believe it or not. We know it's it's obviously challenging and it comes with its own dangers, whether whether it's the elements or the predators. But outside, typically you're going to have less, less bacteria than you would have in a shed where you have perhaps sawdust or wood chips on the ground, and you have feces on the ground and urine and perhaps even dampness, which of course can just be a breeding ground for bacteria. So Ideally, if they can lamb outside, that's that's going to be the best scenario. We we still at certain times with certain weather events, we still shed if we have to, but we can't possibly shed all our ewes all the time. So the ideal situation is uh, is outdoors. One of the things I'm trialing at the moment and I'll let you know how it goes is feeding my ewes. So I told you I'm supplementary feeding. I'm giving them some lucerne chaff and a grain mix that we use. We use a a grain mix from a riverbank food stocks in, uh, in Victoria. And by feeding them the ewes at midday or mid morning, so between 11 and 12, there's research out of, of America, out of the US, whereas if you feed your ewes, supplementary feed them, between nine, at 11 and 12 during the day, then they are more likely to give birth or lamb during the day when they actually give birth. Now, I never really sort of thought about this before, but of course, in the past, I've been doing this. Feeding generally sort of middle of the day when I've sort of you know got got my act together or finished my my sort of day job or today for example I w- I did it during my lunch hour and I, I didn't really think anything of it, but I've had a lot of my use lamb during the day in the past and I thought that's a bit strange. I'm not used to that. Definitely didn't experience that when I was younger growing up. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Quite deliberately this time, and just see if if indeed it makes a difference. Now we do use a lick feeder as well, which is like one of those big feeders that you you might see in in sort of sheep paddocks. So we do use that. I haven't started to use that yet, but of course that's going to change or or limit the um, the time period. But I'll still try. Uh, given the amount of views that I have, I'll still try and. Feed out with uh, with troughs and buckets um, with my my ewes and try and feed out at that time and just see if it works because I think it's a really interesting experiment to think about. Does it make a difference? And uh, and of course, does that make shepherding easier as well? So rather than having to get up at five o'clock in the morning and check your ewes, well, it'd be better if you knew that they were all lambed overnight or the majority of them lambed during the day um, rather than perhaps overnight. When a, a you gives birth you can imagine she's gone through uh, emotional and physical toil but also she'll generally quite realize after she gives birth that she's quite hungry because obviously having expelled those lambs she's going to have a lot of space in her rumen and that's going to make her feel hungry. Now a few little sort of things to look for with your ewes is they're going to be quite sunken in at the hips after they give birth so that's a clear indication that they um, they've given birth, for example, if, if you're thinking that you looks a bit funny, I wonder has she aborted, for example. Check that, that sort of the, the hips there to sort of see the indicator. But she's going to be most likely quite hungry after she gives birth. And, and there's uh, a thing to think about here around she, she will need food. So the, the better the food is around the sort of lambing site, wherever she's lambed, the better the mothering is. So we know that some ewes tend to drop their lambs, and if there's no food, walk off. So they'll walk off in search of food, and that can mean mismothering. So we want to try, obviously, and avoid that. Higher food availability in the paddock ensures that the ewe stays longer. At that birthing site, and of course, really, really helps with that with that mothering up. One other thing to do, again, if you can straight after birth, is to give the ewe a drink. Ideally, a warm drink with some molasses in it. That would be absolutely perfect. So, if you're thinking, you know, I want to do the the VIP treatment here, and and some for some ewes, I will definitely do this that's a really good thing to do. So just just ordinary black molasses, mix it in. It's just like energy, a bit of energy for her. And give them that that in a bit of warm water they will need a quite high feed intake particularly again the better the feed intake the better the milk quality is going to be and of course the better your lambs will be fed or have the availability of milk so typically what you've done now with lambing is is you've increased the feed intake to about two and a half times so a ewe that's lambing needs two and a half times the feed of a dry you or a non-lactating you to be able to maintain their condition so they don't lose weight, but also to be able to produce that, that um, quantity and quality of milk as well. So a few things there to think about would be making sure that there is adequate feed available, whether that's supplementary feed or feed in the paddock and ideally quality as well. So higher protein feed is, is really what you're wanting to be to be looking for. And again, better those things, the better your lamb is going to be, the better the mothering is going to be and the less problems you're going to have. Again, if you're thinking, well, what, what can I do if I am there and I do see the birth? One thing to check would be that the lambs, the mucus that's on the lambs nostrils is removed. So if you've got a towel, you could give them a quick wipe. But again, generally the ewes are very good at doing that you can really trust them to to be able to to do that quite well as i mentioned we'll talk more about lambing difficulties but if you've just helped a little bit if you've helped to just pull a lamb perhaps out and you the lamb is a bit listless when it's born then give it a, a bit of a shake you can slap it on its tummy so a little bit to to try and encourage some breathing sensitive ribs so when you're when you're slapping just be careful with that but By and large, you can give them a a bit of a shake or a a bit of a twist, and that can help with that lamb's breathing. After birth, the ewe will dispel the afterbirth as well. Some ewe's will eat it, some ewe's won't. You know, there's sort of theories out there that it's good iron for the ewe, so if they want to eat it, then that's fine. Again, what I've found is if that ewe is lambed outside and it's nice and clean, then they're more likely to perhaps know that it's safe to eat it. But if they've lambed in a shed and perhaps there's, you know, feces around or it's just a damp shed, then they I, I have seen them not be bothered at all with that placenta. It is a good idea to remove it, though, if you do see it. Um, a few different reasons. One would be it attracts or can attract foxes or predators. And then the other reason is, of course, it can breed disease. So you want to watch out for any of those bacterial infections when your lambs, uh, when your lambs are born. I know some people also use iodine solutions on the navel of their lambs or maybe even use dental floss on the, on their navels of the lambs. I haven't done that but that's something I know that some people do use when they're trying to protect that uh, that area of their lambs. Another question I often get asked about with lambing is, well, you know, is it okay for me to keep my ram in with my ewes when they're lambing? And, you know, okay, g- given far- all farms are different, if you don't have a choice, then you don't have a choice. You know, if you don't have a separate paddock or you want to maintain grass for other ewes or whatever it might be, then yeah, you've, you've got to really make that decision. On the flip side, I have seen rams be very territorial towards other lambs, particularly other ram lambs. So for me, I separate my rams. I run them separately. The only time they will run with the ewes is when we're joining. That just gives me peace of mind, but also Ensures that I don't have to worry about my rams ever impacting a a lamb or or fighting or damaging uh, a lamb. Even this year, my dad told me about their lambing experience and they lambed in a paddock where they have horses. So they lambed in a paddock with horses. And the horse, one of the horses stood on a lamb and broke a lamb's leg. Now, they were able to save the lamb and, and so on and get the, the legs splintered. But again, you just think, well, that could have been avoided. And that's the sort of thing that you want to watch when, uh, when you're lambing. We have used different netting to protect from predators. And again, we've had challenges with lambs getting their heads caught in, you name it, anything, whether it's baling twine, or a hay bale, whether it's string, those sorts of things. Again, you want to try and just be on the safe side and remove all of those hazards from that lambing paddock or where you've, particularly when you've got lambs running around when they're a couple of weeks old, that's when they're going to get into mischief. So watching to ensure that all those hazards are removed from the environment. If you have the option to have little lambing pens, or sometimes they're called jugs, available to help with mothering up then great if you've got that if you've got that facility and of course some people do a lot of the time most of us don't actually have anything like that so we we just try and and make sure that that you has has an element of privacy and and again has adequate feed those things are probably more important than having separate lambing pens and i uh, being able to sort of give that, that uh, you and that lamb ultimate privacy. But again, if you know there's a you that perhaps um, you really want to pay, pay special attention to, then you might want to create a little sort of bonding pen for her and her lambs. Or if she's not well, her and her lambs would be, you know, a good idea and, and a nice element to have if you can. You may also find that more mature ewes, ewes that have lambed before will lamb an awful lot quicker and ewes that have multiple births will generally lamb an awful lot quicker. The maiden ewes tend to lamb later and longer, if that makes sense. So they'll, they'll take a longer time to to lamb when, uh, when they're lambing for their first time as well. The good news is that... Over 95% of lambs are actually born in the normal presentation. So no difficulties, no challenges, and it's all over and done with in a matter of, of hours. In particular, what we've been talking about here, you know, lasting about an hour or so for that normal, unassisted delivery. And that's what the majority of us should should expect the majority of the of the time the entire delivery process does take about 5 hours the first 4 hours though go very unnoticed by most of us that's where the cervix starts to dilate at the very start of the delivery of the of the lamb but often we don't see that but the you and the you might be just experiencing contractions very very short contractions every 15 minutes or so But a lot of the time we don't notice that and it's not until we do see that water bag coming through that we we start to see the um, the first sign, that lamb coming through. So enjoy lambing if it's your first time lambing or hopefully these have helped you with a few little extra tips if you're a seasoned shepherd. And we will continue to have lots of conversations over the coming weeks as I am lambing my ewes. And we'll also explore some of the more challenging situations with lambing, particularly the the challenges with perhaps abnormal presentations in lambing as well. And we'll, we'll see it right up through to marking and weaning as well. So that's what we've got in store for you over the next couple of weeks and months here on the Sheep Show podcast. You've been listening to the Sheep Show podcast with Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm. Is there a topic you would like us to cover? explore is there an interview you would like us to hold or an expert you'd like us to talk to please send us an email and we'll see what we can do to help you keep your learning going you can email me at jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au thank you so much for listening and until next time sheep well